I think there's an image that says the children who are leaning in. And go, you know, it's hard for me not to just bolt to Isaiah 6 right now. That's where, that's where, that's where a taste of this song comes from. The lyrics of the song are written straight out of it where there's this beautiful picture of the Lord and, and people, well, Isaiah gained a glimpse of it. And it kind of messed everything up for him. And I'm praying that for our church as well. And it wasn't just, um, God, you are great and I love you and thank you for a good day of worship and I want to now go eat at Popeye's. For Isaiah, it was far different than that. I mean, his heart was just shredded when he caught a glimpse of the Lord. And he said, I am loaded with sin and I am surrounded by a people who are overwhelmed by it. Lord, help. And the story of God's redemption and, and beauty were just amazing as He purified Him. And upon what we call the gospel in life, upon the glory of the gospel striking Him, He just had this immediate heart of, Lord, here am I. I'm, I'm in. And I'm praying for a church full of people who have already just kind of pulled out the paper and written yes on it and then just handed it back to Christ and said, the answer is already there. So I'm in. What are you doing? I mean, and, and, and what for some people, that means they're just hanging out here in the Navy and, and they're just worshiping, singing songs with us, thinking, man, that's good. That Shannon guy seemed all right. And then a few years later, God says, oh, by the way, I would love for you to go to reach some people on another continent. And um, there are now videos of him fixing the airplane that I'm pretty confident I would get into. I mean, it looked exciting. So uh, I just, I wonder, I've said this a lot of times, so this isn't new because you're here, but I wonder, I mean, I wonder where we're going to be in five years. Don't you like that thought about this room? I mean, I like that thought because I think that when, when a room of people are checked off yes to Jesus, it's just going to be super dynamic. I mean, we could be all over the place for the sake of the gospel. I mean, you could, you could get a message about, about five minutes ago from your daughter in Haiti saying, Daddy, bring the word. Which I did. You know, that's, that's just the joy of what, what could happen to this room. Don't you feel that? I mean, the God of this city just kind of settling down this room and a whole lot of us just writing on the paper, yes! It could be exciting. I, I'm, I want to talk about, get this. Did you notice you had a new bulletin cover? I want to talk about the gospel in life for a little bit and how, look at this, they're excited. He's moving forward. I know you just get lost in the scripture, don't you, sometimes? And it's so good. And you just park there. And so in Galatians, Galatians, what is that? It's like it's rainy. It's what they wore last night in, in Gainesville, the Galatians on their feet. And so um, in Colossians, the third chapter, the 23rd verse is just this incredible thought that's uh, beginning to talk about the gospel in life. And so um, in the next six weeks, and no kidding, I think this will be no more than six or seven weeks at this moment. I want to just walk through some of these sections of thought from Paul. Um, and he and begins with what I've called and what I actually began uh, teaching quite a while back as we started this book. I think Colossians 3.23 is the theme verse of the whole book. 
23 and 24. Just a thematic for the letter that Paul is writing to the church at Colossae and just kind of saying, look, I want you to be super passionate. And the gospel in life is extraordinarily real. I just wrote down this, this thought. The gospel is God's reconciling work in Christ. And that makes me um, very happy to know that God is reconciling us to himself. And it is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that God is making all things new. And I know that we're in church. And I know that you've like heard things like that if you've been coming to church all your life. And so you just let that go by. And so I should probably just say that again because it is super profound that the gospel is God's reconciling work in and through Jesus Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, He is and forever will be making all things new. And so for those of us in this room who have heard that a little too long, that is just an incredible, incredible statement of faith where we just begin to confess the resurrection of Christ, confess the cross of Jesus Christ. For those who repent and believe, through those who come to the end of themselves and the beginning of God, there is this incredible beauty and wonder of the redeeming work of the gospel. And it excites us. When we, um, my family and the older ones in the room um, can attest to this, uh, we have a great kick out of Susan when we have kids, and so we've had quite a few of them. And so anytime that we have a kid, when it comes time, um, my wife is a, a praying nut. She loves to pray. Um, she talks to God a lot. And, and yet, right after having a child, there's this incredible, and for us, quite funny, you may not find this humorous, but we do, um, there's this great moment where I turn to her, and I didn't know this would happen when Cynthia came along, and so we're sitting down to have the meal, and I said, um, you know, you want to bless this? Just pray over this for us. And so she says about a word and a half, and then breaks into tears. And she just cries, and she says, so that was the beginning point for five years later, every time... We had a kid for about two months. She, she can't pray out loud. It's not going to happen. She's just overwhelmed. And so if she does, it ends up in this puddled mess. And I loved it. And so here's every time being the loving husband that I am, we would get that to the mill. And at least Cynthia and Lydia can remember this. I'm not sure if the two littles can. I every time would look and say, you want to pray for us, honey? And they're all eyes are looking at her going, she's going, no, I can't even do this. I can't her. God, thank you so and I mean, I, lie, and I, you know, I didn't get that fully. And then I started studying the book of Romans. And so and then I was really paid back for making fun of my wife for years on end. And so um, and, and, and I, I was reading through Romans and the gospel just overwhelmed me. And, and I felt like God had just birthed something in my heart. And I, I had this moment in church. I was pastoring in Emmanuel. And this probably was only six or seven years ago now. I stood up and, and, and started to preach out of the third chapter of Romans about our justification by faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that God has sparked more revivals out of the book of Romans. I mean, more movements across the world when you begin to read that. I mean, there's guys who have taken and nailed theses to the doorframe of the church saying, we are missing it when you start reading the book of Romans. And it just flooded my soul. And I stood up to preach. And I hope this happens here at some point because it means the Holy Spirit has just overwhelmed me and I just couldn't talk. I stood and started bawling and there's all these military guys in the room. And the last thing you want to do is cry in front of all, all the military guys because they're just like me. They'll mock you for a long time about that. And I'm just standing there crying about the gospel and just overwhelmed by the gospel. 
And the gospel is God's reconciling work that was done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, redeeming, justifying, and buying us back through the cross. And I don't know if you've ever wept over that or if you've heard that so many times that it's still not penetrating. But what we need to beg of God is open my heart and flood my heart with the reality of the gospel so that maybe once in a while when somebody says, will you bless that meal? You simply pray. If you're like my papa, unlike my wife, you just pray for a long time until the food is cold because the gospel is so good to you. Or if you're like my wife or like me, you just stand here in awe of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel brings out passion. There's a principle found in Colossians, the third chapter, the 23rd verse, that I believe is a passion principle. A principle that just teaches us about passion. Life is intended to be lived with passion. Conviction. Life is intended for us to live full bore, pedal to the metal. Here we go, God. We believe that you are an amazing God. And and when the pastor stands up at the welcome time and says, do you think God's great in this city? There's a passion. It might evoke itself in varying ways according to the personalities that make up this room. But there's something that begins to burn inside the believer when we start to hear this because we're intended for this. It's not called the I'm going to stroll to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's called the passion of the Christ. The joy of the cross. God, I am moving forward with passion. He formed us for this. He made us for this. We see passion everywhere around us. And I wonder why there's there's so many that come to me and like, you know, the church is supposed to be serious. I'm like, really? I mean, I think we are serious about what we're serious about. But I think there's a lot of passion that should flow out of the church. There's a lot of folks who in the room ought to be going, look, I mean, I just thought, brought some pictures along and, and I just, I mean, there is passion surrounding me everywhere I go. Um, they're coming up right now. I mean, I, I, this is not a Jesus concert. This is just a whole group of people. I was, I was standing outside an arena the other day. Um, I was, this is really fun. I was outside the gate. I wasn't in the arena. The concert's going on. There are people just like this. They've traveled for hours. They can stand and sing every lyric by memory. They climb on each other's shoulders, or better yet, they leap from the stage. I was looking for my friend Fabian. They leap from the stage, breaking bones out of, and they, they do this with joy, traveling hours saying, there's passion in the room, or yesterday, some more pictures just are kind of like what you experience. There are people like that, that were in Dallas yesterday. These guys are friends of Ryan Ships, no kidding. Just say I want to be fair. Didn't happen yesterday, but I saw people at Publix that were ready for it to happen yesterday. Just passion. How can you not talk about passion without throwing Tim Tebow on the screen, right? See, we got two amens in the room. Big, biggest amens I'll get. There's passion that's going on, and there's just I, I love this. Like passion is conviction. It's not this, you know. I'm we're going to get excited and chop. That's that's one thing to be a fan. It's another to say I'm going to run 26.2 miles, and I'm going to finish this race. And if my friends have to carry me across, I'm going to finish this race. This is the kind of passion that moves my heart. I don't get that moved by the tide yesterday or the Gators stuff. But you you start showing me someone who is putting all their guts on the line, and I start to go yes. And then we are made for this. 
I mean, we are finding limited forms of passion and we're giving it the same expression that is intended for God. I mean, you're literally sitting in this room right now, some of you completely checked out, yet you will not check out for three hours and you will wave your arm like this or like this for three hours yesterday and yet we walk in and our passion left before the King of glory. And yet God has wired us. He made you for passion. To be able to say, God, I want to express myself. Don't you think that if the, the expressions and every one of us has them, I mean, I, I just hit some sports, you can move. I think that's the last one, yes? Yeah, we're saving that for later. So you can go back to gospel and life and that, I want to meet, I want you to meet her in a little while. That's, this is passion. This is, this is, we all have this thing that we're, you know, probably didn't hit yours on the screen, but this thing that gives it all of what we have. And don't you think that the Lord is saying, look, I, I made you for this. Colossians 3.23 would tell us He made us for this. In the third chapter of the book of Colossians, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That heart is a great Greek word. As you work for the Lord, not for men. Next week, we're going to talk about the some of verse 23 and 24. Because you do this, because you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord it is as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you serve. I mean, he, he comes in and says, look, if we're going to have the gospel in life, if we're going to live this life and it's going to express itself as the gospel, whatever you do, you should work at it as unto the Lord. And you should do it. And look what he says. You should do it, depending on the translation, heartily, with all of your soul. You should do this and there should be a fist pumping in this room of we have passion. Thank you. Yes. And we are convicted in God when we, when we, when we are sitting in the room saying, here I am, send me. Some of you, the greatest passion statement of the, of the event of this room today will be, yes. I'm in. Send me wherever, whatever, however. I love this. I want to get super deep. Um, I believe in my mind that, that Colossians 3.23 is a passion principle for the church that will live out the gospel. And I love that. And just as you think about the Greek word for whatever, translates out as whatever. I love when it gets really confusing in Scripture and you get to explain those things and justify all the years of seminary. I love this because whatever literally means whatever I am about, God, whatever I am doing, I am going to do it for your glory. Next weekend, we're going to talk about this whatever because I want to talk about some of what it is. And next weekend, I want to talk about who it's for. What this is about, I mean, whatever, I, I wrote down some notes. Whatever is really biblically flowing, biblically flowing out of this passage, everything we must do. It's, it's everything that you're about in life. And he just, he talks about that in the verses prior where we're going to camp for a while. I mean, it talks about in your, it's wives. If you're, if you're about this, submit your lives to the husbands as fitting unto the Lord. Talks to the husbands and says, this whatever thing, whatever you must do, love your wives. Do not be harsh to them. Treasure them. This isn't some nebulous, God, whatever. It's whatever you must do. Children, obey your parents. Yes! It's going on in this room. It says, fathers, by the way, while you're asking them to obey you, do not embitter them toward you. Do not be foolish with them. Cherish them and raise them in the grace and admonishment of Jesus Christ. And do it with passion, by the way. 
He talks about whatever you do, it's whatever you're called to do. And then he gets into workers and slaves. He says, look, if you are under the employ of someone, what if you woke up tomorrow? It's Labor Day, so you're not going to wake up till later tomorrow. But what if you woke up Tuesday and said, look, this person that I'm going to work with is driving me nuts, but I don't work for him or her. I work as unto the Lord. It would greatly shift work environments. As Christ followers just walk in and go, I am submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and I am going into the work and it is going to be a glorious day. It's not about circumstances or how it's going on. It is going to be a great day. And notice as he writes whatever you must do, he doesn't, he he being Paul, he doesn't say, oh, here's the exciting things. Now you do those with passions, but here's the hard things. You do those just kind of out of conviction. He's writing and saying, the passion principle would be this. Whatever you must do, you do it as unto the Lord. Do it with your soul. Do it heartily. This This is good stuff. You're going to change diapers tomorrow? Well, if you wait till tomorrow, that's really a bad thing. <laughs> I would not recommend that. You're going to change the diaper today? Do it as unto the Lord. You're going to pay a bill today? Do it as unto the Lord. You're going to, you're going to walk and journey with your spouse today? Do that as unto the Lord. It's whatever you must do. And I, I love, I just wrote down some whatevers and you, you can add your whatevers. Whatever you choose to do. A lot of us, I won't be long on this one, but a lot of us have this extreme guilt because we're reading like, God, I want to say yes for you. And then we have this guilt when we're, when we're doing something leisurely. Listen, listen, read your book for the glory of God. Rest tomorrow for the glory of God. Do whatever you choose to do. If you're going to wrestle with your kids, wrestle with them for the glory of God and do it with passion. If you're going to play hide and seek, hide well. You know, do it for the glory of God. If you're not understanding this principle, principle, if you're, if you're going to go to the beach the next day or two, go and see the glory of God there. He's there. Do this for the glory of God. Not only whatever you choose to do, whatever you're gifted to do. I love this thought about this. I, uh, Chariots of Fire is getting to be a little bit of an old film now, but I love Eric Liddell and the true story that is told in that movie where he says, I am made fast by God and I feel His pleasure when I run. God has gifted some of you in this room to do some amazing things. You're gifted to do things. What, what Use them. I mean, I have friends that have these gifts that I don't have and I am in all of them. I am an extraordinarily good Two by four holder. If you ask me to build anything with it, I can't do it. My friend Jerry, he can build anything. He has this incredible gift. And he just said, you know what? This is what I'm pretty good at. And he started to dream. We, we shared life together for eight years in small group. And I, so I got to hear a lot about what Jerry and Jennifer did. They visited here before. They've kind of built things all over Africa as well. But he, he could build really well. And so it wasn't just in Africa, those of you who... Um, sometimes tell me we should care about people here as much as there, and the answer is yes. Um, Jerry looked in our city and saw many who couldn't afford to live anywhere, so he just bought a piece of land and started bringing in one trailer that was just completely um, obliterated, and he would build it out because he's good at it. And then a family who didn't have a home had a home. By the time I left, there was about 15 trailers on that lot, and he just built about one at a time. Just looking and saying, I'm good at this. Some, some of you people in this room, you, you knit caps and the homeless all over our city have a knitted cap. How cool is that in about, or warm is that in about two months? Some of you are, some of you are good. I love, um, I ran across, got to meet the person who started the heart gallery. This person is just good at photography. Just good at it. One time it struck them. I could, 
probably take pictures of currently mother or fatherless children and it would change hearts. And it has. It's some, you're good at some things. I wonder what God could do with them. Did you, did you stop and say, these things I'm good at? I could be passionate about this for the kingdom, God. Some people are good at sports. Um, a good friend of mine, Kaz McCaslin, well, I know Kaz, not a good friend. A friend of mine, Kaz McCaslin, was good at sports, loved it, organized it well. He launched a ministry called Upward. He's good at that. He got teams together and they started off at First Baptist Spartanburg, my hometown, and next thing you know, Upward's all over the nation. Your kids have probably played it and you probably have the magnet on the back of your car. That's one guy who's just good at it. He loves sports. He thought, I should use sports for the glory. Had a friend who played basketball really well. He ended up in Kenya with athletes in action every halftime sharing the gospel. You know why? He's good at basketball. What are you good at? That God's just saying, come on, bring it on. I have a friend who cooks really well. And so she's opened a restaurant called the Wild Olive in Crestview. You know how many homeless and, and people are loved and cared for because she just happens to cook really well. Whatever you're good at, and I, I just carry on, whatever is whatever. This is the depth of the Greek word. What about what you're commanded to do? Like I, my mind went immediately to love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. And oh, by the way, you should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. I mean, there's some things we're commanded to do, and I'm just wondering, you know, what's that, what's that look like for us? Because I think a lot of times we get into this, Mark, these whatevers are overwhelming me. I don't know how to get into this. It's, it's, this is Mother Teresa's um, birthday week, so I've been reading some quotes by her. I love one of her quotes that says this, um, if you can't feed a hundred people, by the way, if this, what you're commanded to do is a little overwhelming for you, feed one. I love her quote where she just said, I am just a small hand pencil in the hand of a vast God who is using me to write His story across the hearts of His people. Or this is not Mother Teresa, this is Andy Stanley. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, but you can't. So move your life out of being stuck and do it for one. We are called to do what God has commanded us to do with passion. I want to look throughout this room and say, look, when we're checking the yes box, what does that mean for you? I mean, what's that look like for you? Because God hasn't just said, I think you should, I mean, I got an idea. It was Jesus and I were kicking it around and we thought it'd be neat if you loved us once in a while. That wasn't the way, no, no. This, I'm asking you, because you love me, to go. I'm asking you to build bridges and relationships. I'm asking you to live out my gospel in life everywhere you go. I'm telling you, go. That's Jesus talking. So what do we do with that? The gospel comes alive in life. I was standing with Scott Swanstrom um, this week. Scott is the pastor of Epic Church. And um, and uh, I, Scott was just kind of talking to a group of pastors. And he said, I want you guys to step in and engage. I want you to engage where you can for the glory of God. So I'm standing before you now, quoting Scott, saying, engage, you know. Step in and find your place. Engage for the sake of the gospel. And then he started telling a story. He was at Cabaret last week with Mike and Bonnie. And he said, Mark, there's, I mean, we, we actually told the whole room full of this. I want you to meet someone. First of all, say hello to Bonnie. Um, she's coming up on screen now, Ron. And um, you got to see this picture just a few minutes ago. Um, this is Bonnie, and um, I love this. This is also Ella. Is Ella not cute? I mean, she just, she just came into the um, house a week ago. And uh, Scott was telling us a story. Scott's team was there when Ella came in, and it was quite the dramatic story. He said that Ella's father had reached a point of desperation and had had dug a hole and was burying Ella alive. 
And said her, the mom's friend saw that and went over and pulled Ella out of the dirt. And she and the mom ran to the gate of Cabaret. And they beat on the door. And they begged for Ella to come in. Scott said, we met Ella on day one. She was shaky, emaciated, terrified. He said seven, eight days later when we left, she was fed, loved, nurtured. God's going to put you in scenarios where the gospel and life are more than a sermon. He's going to put you standing face to face with people who have been buried in their sin and shame and are covered by it. And our God is going to lift them out of the clay. And He may use you. And He is going to dust them off, clean them up, restore their soul, feed them. And He is longing to knock on this door and say, will you be a fellowship that will live with the gospel story as the very center and essence of your life? And I will set many people down among you. If you're going to get passionate, I have no problem. I had choose yesterday to go, roll tide. But this story, that story, that makes me eternally passionate. I want to look into the heart of lives and say, God, how can I take a father who is so desperate that he will dig a hole because he sees no other hope and he's just outside the gate. Please don't throw a stone at him. You don't understand the life until you go walk among them. No more hope than that desperate move. So who's going to stand in the life of the Father and lift Him out of the soil? Who's going to stand in the life of Ella and say, You're, you have a home. You are surrounded by people who love you. And they, there are Ellas all over Jacksonville. That are awaiting the church of Jesus Christ to say, this gospel story, it is a passion to me. This whatever, I am commanded to do this. I live with passion. It's whatever you're called to do. And some of you in this room, God called you to, to serve Him. Maybe it was singing with preschoolers. Maybe it was teaching the Word. Maybe it was to go out and live in some manner. God has called you to something and you have laid down that mantle. Can I just ask you today in response to His Scripture and your yes to pick the mantle back up? You're still on this planet. As was pointed out so wonderfully by Shannon, you're still breathing. So God has called you to step into some places and live His whatever through you for Him, for His glory, so that so that the gospel could be made alive. This thing is our passion. And how do you do this? You don't do this with some, some half sense of, I go about this. You do this with your heart. The Scripture says this, whatever I'm doing, I do it heartily. I do it from the very depths of my soul. I do this with all that I am. I am passion for this. It involves heart and soul. If you can hang with me for five minutes, I think the next five minutes will shape our yes. He says, look, do this with your heart and soul. Let's follow that word heartily as it's shown throughout Scripture. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, which we've already talked about today, Jesus tells us that we should love Him with all of our heart and our soul, with all of our mind and our strength. We are to love people with passion and convinced conviction. 
In Matthew 8, 35 and 36, following this word heartily, it, it literally means from the depths of who you are, from your core, from your soul. Matthew 8, 35 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Jesus is saying this idea of passion, this idea of being about whatever, this movement forward, he is saying this, that the soul is the greatest essence of who you are. Move the gospel forward with the essence of who you are, with your soul. He says, you could gain the whole world and it won't satisfy your soul. Only Christ will. Matthew 11 says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you my rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. And you will find rest in your soul. This movement of being about whatever is a movement of walking with Christ. It is only in Christ that we find satisfaction. It is not in chopping. It is not in chomping. It is not in tiding. It is not in any other arena. It is in Him. For Him. All His glory. God, we are about You and we want satisfaction. We do this, we do this around here. I, I had fun. I started, I won't tell you who. I started, we do it with soul here. Our lives move with soul here. I mean, can you just, oh! I mean, I, I could dance a little bit for you. We move with passion and it is from our soul. Wouldn't that be awesome? That is the principle that Paul is teaching in this verse. We do this with soul and it will cost us. There are blood, sweat, and tears involved in this. This is not a little uh, good, good sermon, be passionate. There will be heart. Have you ever met an Olympic athlete that did not have heart, that did not sell themselves out to accomplish something? Have you ever met someone that is an artist who are starving for the sake of the passion of their soul? Have you not met a person who so dreamed about walking through college that there are four jobs they worked to make their way through? It was their soul. It will cost you. When he starts talking about do this heartily as unto the Lord, there are blood, sweat, and tears. Romans 12.1 is coming up on the on the um, screen. I'm quite confident. It just says these words. And I love, these are some of my favorite verses. It says this about this. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That will be holy and pleasing to God. And you want to know what worship looks like? That is your spiritual act of worship. He says, look, I am calling you to lay your life out. No strings. Just passion. God, I am a, I love, uh, I don't remember which great pastor said this. We are people who give our lives as offerings, but we keep crawling off the table. I mean, God is just calling us to come in daily and die to self so that our lives can be given for His glory. Paul says in Acts 20, 23 and 24, that chains and tribulations, they don't sway me. None of these sway me. Do I, I do not count my life dear to myself. Only this, so that I can finish the race that God has laid out for me with joy. And I'm just wondering if you're looking in here going, the answer is yes, and I'm going to finish laying it all out. And I look, I love the Psalms because it says, if you're going to, if you're going to be passionate about this, I love David when he says, I lay my head down on the pillow and I rest at night with peace in my heart because I have spent myself this day for the glory of God. 
My life has been given for the glory of God. And everything that God purposed for me, I fleshed it out. I did. I left nothing on the table. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love. This is blood, sweat, and tears. He being Christ laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Oh my goodness. This passion principle is not a chop. This is a I will die to myself to bring alive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave all so that we could come alongside and say, God, we want to give everything for your glory. You just begin to think about His laying down His life for us. I mean, we talk about the earth trembling, the sky darkening, the cry of the Lord, Father, how could you forsake me? This was an incredible moment of passion. And Jesus gave unreservedly heart, soul, mind. Father, move. What about those of us in this room who who aren't Jesus, but who have laid down their lives? The Scripture talks about this when it says this will cost us. He says in Revelation 12, they who overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives. Yet to the death. Life, soul, sacrifice. That's the passion. And so we're sitting in so, and this is a principle, God. Whatever we do, whatever we're called, whatever we choose, whatever we're commanded, whatever we're about, God, we're going to do this with our hearts. And it might cost us some things, but we're all in. I just want to end with this quote. I love Mike Napa. He wrote these words. He says, I've got news for you. Faith, faith that is about the kingdom of Christ, true Christianity, courageous faith, the kind that the apostles, Paul, Peter, Thousands of early Christians practice. It is not a faith for wimps. It's not for the faint-hearted. It is not for the lukewarm. It is not for the moderately committed. It is not for the occasional churchgoer. It's for the passionate. It's for the ones with the courage to say, I believe God, and in believing Him, I will declare every waking hour to His purpose, no matter the cost. This is the passion principle that God lays out before us. This is soulful sacrifice. This is blood, sweat, and tears. This is whatever. And in doing this, we will stand at the literal gates of heaven, the metaphorical gates of heaven, the wonder of the gospel in life. And we will, on a daily basis as a church, hear people spiritually pound on our doors, holding up the hopeless, the broken, and the brittle, and saying, can you help and our answer will be oh for heaven's sake yes and the ellas of this world will find sustenance nourishment hope family purpose whatever you do you do it with all your heart is unto the Lord And it can get quite crazy, that gospel thing. Yeah. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for a room full of people who will say yes. Who will just check, check yes, Lord. And then, God, we're just going to see you move among us. Father, I don't, I don't know what's prompting this prayer, but God, I pray that as a result of a room full of people who say yes, we will just see salvation move out from among us.
God, I pray that because of our yes and our passion and our, our zeal to see the gospel in life, that God, you will use us to draw men and women and children to yourself here in Jacksonville, here in Mandarin, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, I pray that we will be a gate that is knocked upon off often because there is a passion and conviction that resides here that is irrevocable and rests only in you. Jesus, we love you. We praise you for the chance to worship you. We turn our eyes to you right now in worship, in song, in hope, in conviction. For it's in your name that we hold fast. We have a, a moment at the end of our services where we just afford you the chance to respond to the Spirit of God. Dr. Dan Davis will come to the front. and I'll be here at the front. Maybe, maybe some of you just simply want to pray with somebody and just say, look, this whatever thing, it's a big deal to me. Maybe you just want to bypass us and come to an altar and pray. Whatever your zeal and, and as a follower of Jesus, I just invite you to respond to the Lord. Perhaps there are some of you that God has just been moving in your heart for a season now to identify with the mission and vision of this church, to join with this fellowship. This is a great day to do that. Would you just come as we prepare to stand and sing in a moment? Perhaps my prayer wasn't for some future date that people would come to know Christ as we go out. But maybe there's someone in this room that needs to know Jesus as Savior, as hope for this moment. Dr. Dan and I will be here at the front. If you would like for us to tell you, to walk with you through this relationship with Jesus and what that means, would you come now? Can we stand together? Can we sing together? Can we respond together with our heart, with our soul? Would you sing with us?